Section seven of the Three Commanders. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Three Commanders by William Henry Giles Kingston. Chapter six Adair, after leaving the midshipmen on board the first dow eager to capture the second urged his crew not to spare their arms or the tough ash sticks they handled they fully as eager as the lieutenant were not the men to do that and the boat made rapid progress through the calm water they had every hope of catching her unless a breeze should suddenly spring up when they well knew that she would slip away from them at a speed which they had no chance of equalling in case of such an occurrence the gun mounted on the bow was reloaded ready to send a shot after her the wind continued light and at length laying in their oars they ranged up alongside taking good care to make the boat fast when following their lieutenant all hands leaped on board with cutlasses and pistols ready to make short work of any who might oppose them though to their surprise not the slightest resistance was offered the deck appeared crowded with passengers their skins black as jet but dressed in every variety of oriental costume the numerous crew a large proportion of whom were black were collected forward while the nagoda stood aft near the man at the helm he advanced with a smiling countenance and made a profound salaam to adair who sheathing his sword with his men at his back stood ready to receive him a couple only one of whom was pango remained in the boat to look after her he was a wiry daring-looking fellow with a bold piratical swagger which gave an impression that he would not hesitate at the most audacious acts of atrocity which he might suppose would forward the object he happened to have in view he put out his hand in the most cool and impudent manner to shake adair's and then stood calmly eyeing his uninvited visitors as much as to say now make the most of me you can well amigo where are you come from asked adair the nagoda who seemed to expect some such question though he probably did not understand the words pointed to the south and then uttered a long string of sentences in which adair thought he could distinguish zanzibar well my friend and who are all these people you have got on board continued adair pointing to the silent figures on deck the arab poured forth a torrent of words pointing in the same direction as before and next putting a piece of coin from one hand into the other yes i understand they are travellers going to see the world and have paid their passage money all right and proper and when they get to zanzibar what are they going to do asked adair the last question the arab evidently did not understand and adair saw that it would be useless to press the point knowing that whatever the arab might say whether true or false he should not be the wiser and now as to those fellows tumbling about there and butting against each other with their curly pates and looking more like chimney sweeps than sailors 
said adair what have they got to do here the arab who guessed by the direction of adair's eyes that he was asking questions about the bin forward made signs of pulling and hauling oh they form part of your crew do they well i should like to see your papers and how many hands you are licensed to carry said adair making the usual signal of pretending to write which the nagoda clearly understanding produced from his capacious pocket various documents scrawled all over with arabic characters adair took them but of course did not understand a single one of the curious shaped letters and papers very shipshape he remarked pretending to scan the papers if you have no slaves on board nor fittings for slaves we must let you proceed on your voyage he added returning the papers with a polite bow on which the skipper appeared highly delighted you'll give me leave first however to search the hold and take a look into your cabin the nagoda's countenance fell as adair followed by two of his men made their way into the space under the high poop hallo who are all these he exclaimed as he saw seated round the sides some thirty sable damsels bundled up in silks and cottons with a variety of ornaments on their curly heads most of them with children in their arms or seated by their side little and big the skipper looked somewhat nonplussed but presently pointing out three of the best-looking he tried to make his visitor understand that they were his wives oh very well said adair who comprehended his meaning but to whom do all those others belong to this the nagoda without replying directly shouted to his arab crew who came aft each man taking the hands of a couple of negresses and declaring that they were his better halves thus all the people who had hitherto been seen were accounted for and the hold alone remained to be examined above the cargo which was stowed in no very regular fashion was a bamboo deck but that of course would be necessary for the numerous male and female passengers and their offspring and was not sufficient in itself to condemn the vessel still adair was not altogether satisfied on returning on deck he determined to interrogate some of the silent negro passengers who did not look as if they were accustomed to the fine clothes they wore without an interpreter this was a difficult undertaking when he addressed the blacks men or women they put on the most stolid looks showing him that it would be vain to hope to get any information out of them but it was a wonder that such stupid-looking people should have any desire to see the world or could be travelling either on business or pleasure at last he had to give it up and to turn to the black sailors going forward he addressed one after the other but as he spoke their countenances also changed and they stood before him with downcast looks pictures of stolidity suddenly he at last bethought him of calling up pango from the pinnace to try if he could elicit any information from his sable countrymen pango on being summoned immediately sprang on board no sooner had he done so than his eye fell on one of the blacks from whom adair was vainly endeavouring to extract information the two negroes stared at each other for an instant kai exclaimed pango kai answered the other scanning pango's nautical costume kai 
cried pango in a higher key and then both making a spring they seized each other's hands and began shouting at the top of their voices now laughing now crying and again looking in each other's faces a rapid conversation then took place between them the seeming arab seaman asking pango all sorts of questions which he as quickly answered what's it all about asked adair pointing to the former brudder brudder answered pango where does he come from inquired adair pango gave the incomprehensible name of a village in the interior adding make slavey make slavey and who are all those others asked adair all slavey all slavey cried pango eagerly ah i thought so exclaimed adair tell them that they shall be set free and that they need no longer sham being sailors which one can tell with half an eye that they are not pango understood enough of what adair said to make his fellow-countrymen understand that they would be liberated very soon as they had the british flag hoisted over their heads although a few believed what pango told them the rest did not appear altogether convinced of the fact adair however had now sufficiently ascertained the character of the vessel to warrant him in keeping possession of her the nagoda on discovering the resolution which the english officer had formed looked very much taken aback in vain he stormed and swore in the choicest arabic and cast vindictive glances at pango threatening him with condign punishment should he ever catch him on shore pango caring very little for his threats talked away eagerly with his countrymen and soon the greatest number went over to the side of the english tars their first care was to disarm the arabs and to throw their weapons overboard while the dhow was searched fore and aft for any others which might be concealed the nagoda finding he was discovered very quickly stripped the blacks of their fine garments and reduced them to the primitive appearance of veritable slaves giving adair to understand that the dresses were his private property and that he expected to be allowed to carry them off the poor women seemed very loath to part with their borrowed plumes but the nagoda treated them without ceremony and as evening approached sent them and the children all down into the hold the men were then made to follow them adair had the satisfaction of feeling that he had caught a second slaver but he saw that it would require all his vigilance to prevent the arabs from playing him any trick looking out astern he saw the first captured dhow following in his wake all right with the youngsters he thought they and bird have their wits about them and will keep the slaver's crew under as the dhow appeared to be coming up with him he saw no necessity for shortening sail as he hoped she would close with him before nightfall by the time the sun went down she had got considerably nearer and satisfied that all was right he stood on the night came on much darker than usual but he made out the peak of her triangular sail rising against the sky and therefore still felt perfectly at ease about her with so many doubtful characters on board he would not lie down even for a moment or allow any of his crew to do so but kept them together ready to defeat any attempt the arabs might make to regain their vessel as they hoped to reach the island the next day they might then take a long snooze to make up for their want of sleep several times he looked astern when he saw the other prize still about the same distance as before suddenly there came a squall and a downpour of rain 
but the wind being right aft the dhow flew on before it he however thought it prudent to send his men to the halyards so as to be ready should the wind increase to lower the sail the arabs showing no inclination to assist in working the vessel the darkness was greater than ever the rain indeed even by itself was thick enough to hide any objects except close to in about an hour it cleared off again when on looking out for number one prize he could nowhere distinguish her i suppose gordon and desmond judged it prudent to lower their sail they will be hoisting it again presently he said to himself soon afterwards he thought he made her out rather more over the port quarter than she had been before yes he was certain of it though she seemed to him farther off than she had hitherto been still if the midshipmen had lowered their sail that was to be expected adair still believing that all was right continued his course eager to reach the island and to arrange for dispatching the two dows to the port of adjudication though he had no doubt that they both would prove lawful prizes when morning at length broke dow number two was nowhere in sight this made him somewhat anxious and he regretted that he had not shortened sail at first to allow her to come up still the midshipmen had their wits so completely about them and bird was so trustworthy a fellow and fully alive to the importance of keeping an eye on the arabs that he had no very serious apprehensions about their safety a clump of trees rising in the centre of the island at length to his infinite satisfaction came in sight he dropped his anchor in a small harbour formed by the coral reef which circled round the southern portion he was seen coming in and one of the boats pulled off to welcome him he was informed that a vast number of dows had been boarded but none as yet captured all being as far as could be ascertained lawful traders though several had like his prize no small number of black passengers on board depend upon it then you have been deceived said adair as i should had i not the fortunate chance by means of panga to discover the trick the rascally arabs are playing us all those black passengers were really slaves dressed up by their masters however we'll take care in future that their trick doesn't avail them and they must take to some other dodge if they wish to escape us joe green he found had gone over towards the mainland to watch for any vessels running in or out of angaxa or slipping by up the coast and as he had been away for several days it was expected that he would soon be back several times before going on shore adair swept the horizon with his glass in search of the missing dow expecting every instant to see her sail like the dark fin of a shark rising above the waters he looked however in vain the other officers climbed one after the other to the lookout place but came back with the report that no sail was in sight he had once therefore made up his mind to send the pinnace with a fresh crew in search of the dow the wind though contrary was slight and she might reach the spot where the dow had last been seen before nightfall and if any accident had happened to her render assistance his only dread was that she might have been leaky as he knew to be the case with many such craft and perhaps have gone down he and his men were pretty well worn out from want of sleep and hard work having seen the slaves landed and fresh hands placed in charge of the dow and the arab crew he therefore lay down in his tent to obtain the rest he so much required completely exhausted he slept on till morning his first inquiry on awaking was for the pinnace she had not returned nor had green made his appearance 
he naturally became more anxious than ever something serious he feared must have happened to the midshipmen or they would not have failed to have reached the island by that time he was on the point of dispatching another boat when the lookout man from the signal station reported that a dhow was in sight coming across from the mainland her arrival was eagerly looked for there could be no doubt that she was a prize made by green this was ascertained positively to be the case and in about an hour she came to an anchor off the island having green's boat astern the two remaining boats at once put off adair going in one of them accompanied by pango bango had gone with green to act as his interpreter why exclaimed adair as he drew near the dhow she's the very vessel we captured and has i hope the midshipmen and the rest of the boat's crew on board green hailed them from the deck as they approached glad of your assistance he said for i've got a pretty shipload of scoundrels who gave us a tough job to take them these words made adair feel more anxious than ever he recognized the arab skipper and mustafa long chops on deck but neither of the midshipmen nor any of the men he was quickly on deck and shaking hands with green though the dreadful feeling which oppressed him prevented him for some moments from speaking where are the midshipmen desmond and gordon he asked and the men i left on board this vessel you left exclaimed green why i only captured her last night and had no notion that she had ever been in our hands before except by the by that bango has tried to make me understand something which he had heard though i confess i couldn't exactly comprehend his meaning the night before last i left the midshipmen safe and sound with four hands in a canoe towing astern said adair the canoe i see is gone but they would certainly not have deserted the vessel we must seize these scoundrels the skipper of that black fellow with the rest of the arabs at once for i very much fear they have been guilty of some foul play calling more of his men on board adair ordered them to handcuff the whole of the party the arabs looked somewhat alarmed their skipper very much so what have you done with my officers and men asked adair the nagoda recovering himself with the coolest effrontery made the action of shaking hands then pointed astern as if to signify that those whom adair was asking after had parted good friends and gone off in the canoe a very likely tale said adair sadly let's try what pango and his brother can make out of the old black chief on this green told them to hear what the old man had to say they evidently spoke the same language at last pango turning round to adair tried hard to give the information he had obtained what with the numerous signs and the few words of english uttered by the black adair understood that the old chief grieved for what had happened but that he himself had nothing to do with it that the arabs had set upon the englishmen two of whom were below had blindfolded them and thrown them overboard adair and green both interrogated their black friends and each time came to the same sad conclusion there could be no doubt that the two lads jerry bird and the other men had been foully murdered adair felt very much inclined to hang all the fellows at once but of course this could not be thought of they must first be tried if there could be no doubt that they would be convicted what satisfaction would it be to hang the scoundrels putting them to death would not probably prevent others from committing similar deeds nor would it bring those who were lost to life it was necessary however to land the slaves at once for the sake of preserving their health for even during the last few hours several of the grown-up people had died and nearly a dozen of the children and others it was clear would not survive unless carried on shore and supplied with better food and fresh water superintending this work occupied adair and prevented him from mourning over the loss of his young nephew and archie 
the party on shore had been occupied for some time in putting up huts for housing any slaves who might be brought to the island these were soon filled with the women and children and the sick men the others not so greatly requiring immediate shelter were set to work to put up some huts for themselves an operation most of them seemed to understand very well in the meantime the arab crew were kept on board under charge of an officer and a party of seamen towards evening the boat was seen returning and adair had some faint hopes that she might have obtained some information of the midshipmen in case the skipper's version of the affair was true adair hurried down to meet her we bring you no news of the missing ones said the officer in charge we went as far as you directed and then swept round inshore but no doubt could we see adair more out of spirits than he had ever been in his life before got back to the camp one of the men came running in with the information that a ship was in sight to the northward adair and several others hurried to the nearest point from which they could see her and he and green were both of opinion that she was the opal this was confirmed when she got near enough to make her number hopes were entertained that she was coming to take them off for though not exactly tired of the life they had been leading they would gladly have gone to some other locality where they would be likely to meet with better success than they could boast of hitherto adair however found himself wishing that murray had not come back how could he face him with the account of the loss of the two midshipmen murray might blame him and not unjustly for want of judgment in leaving them in charge of a vessel manned by desperate ruffians who would of course be glad of the opportunity to revenge themselves on their enemies why did not i think of that before exclaimed poor terence more than once however he ordered the gig to be manned and as soon as the corvette approached the anchorage he pulled away for her she had just brought up and the hands were aloft furling sails when his boat got alongside murray was of course well pleased to see him though struck by his grave looks all hands are well i hope and the youngsters have they managed to keep themselves out of mischief asked murray adair a very unwanted thing felt inclined to hang down his head as with a faltering voice he told the story of their loss you don't mean to say you left those two lads with only four careless men to manage a set of cutthroats exclaimed murray i'm sorry to say i did not supposing that the said cutthroats would venture to turn upon them answered adair that's it adair that's it exclaimed murray more testily than he was accustomed to speak you are too apt not to consider the consequences of what you do and from want of judgment the lives of those boys have been thrown away really you are hard upon me cried adair i acted as well as the circumstances would allow and it was my duty to try and get hold of the other dow you should have left a stronger force to keep in check a set of ruffians with whom only a few minutes before you had been engaged in a struggle for life and death said murray they acted according to their instincts and murdered the poor boys i had no time to think of that or anything else said adair about to turn away it was my duty to take the other dow and i succeeded in doing so murray observing how much adair was moved felt that he was speaking too harshly well well i'm sure you did as you considered best said he it is a very sad affair but i don't know that we ought to give them up as lost you may have misunderstood the two blacks though circumstances are strongly against the arab captain however i will examine him and his crew and the old black chief with the aid of hamid whom he can understand and perhaps we may elicit something which will give us ground for hoping that they after all escaped i wish i could think so said adair i shall blame myself as long as i live for their loss i am certain they would not willingly have deserted their charge murray having ordered hamid to accompany him pulled off in his gig with adair he found the rest of the officers standing on the beach 
ready to receive him and he at once issued orders to have the slave captain and his companions brought on shore two boats were on the point of putting off to bring them when a loud report was heard and thick wreaths of smoke were seen issuing from the dhow followed almost directly by flames bursting out from all parts the boats dashed on to rescue those on board as they did so they saw a number of men whom they recognized as their shipmates swimming towards them but not the dark face of an arab among them the boats quickly picked them up one after the other none happily of the party left on board being missing neither the officer nor any of the men could account for the accident they were all on deck the sentry near the hold in which the prisoners were confined suddenly an explosion occurred which lifted up a portion of the deck and sent the sentry and two other men standing near him overboard flames instantly afterwards burst out both fore and aft and the natural impulse of the rest was to leap into the water to save their lives the master's assistant who commanded the party seeing that any attempt to rescue the prisoners would be utterly hopeless to save his own life was compelled to follow his men just as the last english seaman was picked up the dow's stern already a mass of flames lifted and she glided down bow foremost beneath the surface a few pieces of charred wood and bamboo marking the spot where she had lately floated serve the fellows right observed several of the men who were watching the occurrence the hangman has been saved a job and stout rope left for a better purpose murray and adair although acknowledging that the murderers as they deemed them had met with a just fate could not help regretting that all means of obtaining information as to what had become of the midshipmen and their companions had thus been lost all i can now do said murray is to cruise over the ground the dow must have traversed after you left her and look out for the canoe in case any of the party may have succeeded in getting into her it is possible that some of them may have done so although in this long interval they must have suffered fearfully for want of food as no time was to be lost murray returned on board leaving adair with his party still on the island the corvette immediately weighing anchor stood away close hauled to the eastward that she might on another tack fetch the spot where her search was to begin murray's remarks had slightly raised adair's hopes that one if not both of the midshipmen might have been saved had they been hove overboard alive but it was too probable that the arabs would have knocked them on the head first and then thrown them into the water he expressed his thoughts to green i don't altogether give them up answered jose midshipmen have a wonderful way of keeping in existence and by some means or other they may have escaped though i can't say how it may have happened adair's anxiety prevented him from sitting quiet in his tent and in spite of the hot sun he continued walking about now visiting the lookout man now seeing how the unfortunate slaves were getting on pango and bango were of great assistance in communicating with them and dissipating their fears though their captors had taken good care to instill into their minds the belief that the englishmen wished only to catch them for the sake of salting them down for food or disposing of them in some other horrible manner poor creatures what their future lot was to be no one could tell one thing was certain they had been torn from their homes and families many of those dearest to them had been killed by the savage men hunters and they themselves had been treated with horrible cruelty the boats as usual were kept in readiness to start off at a moment's notice while the lookout men had their eyes about them in search of any dows running up the coast a sail in sight to the southward shouted the men up the tree what is she like asked adair square-rigged vessel sir with a broad spread of white canvas here was likely to be work she might prove a spanish or american vessel 
or carrying the flag of one of the other powers which still permitted the slave trade if a slaver she was not likely to yield tamely if she had a chance to escape many such vessels were known to be strongly armed and to be commanded by daring fellows who would be perfectly ready to fight if they saw a chance of success all the boats therefore were manned to be ready to attack her should she stand near the island which from the course she was steering there was every probability she would do every one looked forward to the work with satisfaction the only fear was that she might be empty and might simply be coming north to take in her slaves at angaxa or some other place farther north cutlasses were buckled on pistols freshly capped and other usual preparations made when fighting was in hand the wind was somewhat light but at length the stranger's courses rose above the horizon when jos green who had mounted to the signal station shouted out she's an english brig of war and is making her number adair sent for the signal book and inquiring the flag scene quickly made her out as the romp why she's been on the east india station he observed we shall soon know all about her for she's evidently steering for the island and the breeze seems to be freshening she'll come to an anchor before long End of section seven